Scripture lesson this morning comes from Psalm 104. It's a beloved psalm about God's care for God's creation. It's printed in your bulletins. Please read it with me responsibly. Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord, my God, you are very great. The high mountains are for the wild goats. The rocks are a refuge for mountain sheep. You have made the moon to mark the seasons. The sun knows its time for setting. You make darkness and it is night when all the animals of the forest come creeping out. O Lord, how manifold are your works and wisdom. You've made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. Yonder is the sea, great and wide. Living things innumerable are there. Living things both great and small. There go the ships and Leviathan to sport in it. So the British composer Benjamin Britten wrote this piece called Rejoice in the Lamb, which we're going to hear in a minute. Benjamin Britten was born in Suffolk County on November 22, 1913. And November 22 is, of course, St. Cecilia's Days, and that turned out to be a great portent because Cecilia is the patron saint of music, and Benjamin Britten would turn out to become the most accomplished composer of his Generation, Perhaps you know his operas like Billy Budd and Peter Grimes, among others. Some musical scholars think that Benjamin Britten's operas are the greatest operas in the language since Henry Purcell about 200 years before him. And this piece, which we're going to hear in a minute, Rejoice in the Lamb, was written in 1943 for the 50th anniversary of St. Matthew's Church in Northampton, England. And it's based on a poem called Jubilate Agno, which of course is Latin for Rejoice in the Lamb, by the 18th century poet Christopher Smart, who in this poem gives voice to the presence of God in the simplest, commonest, everyday things like cats and letters and musical instruments. And Mr. Smart turns his cat Jeffrey's feline escapades into a hymn of praise to the Creator. For I will consider my cat, Jeffrey, for he is a servant of the living God, duly and daily serving God. For at the first glance of the glory of God in the east, he worships in his way, for he knows that God is his Savior. For I am possessed of a cat, surpassing in beauty, from whom I take occasion to bless Almighty God. So I'm taking my inspiration from Katie Lancaster, whose brilliant sermon last week on Confirmation Sunday was called Improbably a Theology of Frogs. I've talked to you more than once about a theology of dogs, and cats deserve equal time. So this morning, a theology of cats. 
Now, you probably knew this, but maybe it will be helpful to remind you of this, that the only common animal that is completely missing from the Bible is the domestic cat. There are the large cats in the Bible, of course, as you heard from that exquisite Psalm 104 just a moment ago. Lions and leopards are in the Bible, but there are no domestic cats in the Bible, no Felix Catus. And nobody knows why cats are entirely missing from the Bible, but sometimes scholars speculate that the Hebrews left cats out of their Bibles because the Egyptians loved cats so much, and of course the Hebrews, for obvious reasons, loathed the Egyptians. Cats were sacred in ancient Egypt. It was forbidden to kill or harm them. And when your cat died, you would mourn that passing by shaving your eyebrows. I don't know why. But then they would embalm the remains in sacred cemeteries. Human beings have been domesticating cats for almost 10,000 years. And cats have turned out to become an important guardian of the food supply, right? They chase after mice and rats and protect the grain reserves. Cats were the original rose pest solutions. There are more cats than dogs in America, though it's close. 95 million cats to 90 million dogs. Cats are second to fish as the most popular pet among Americans. And I love one of the lines from Mr. Smart's original poem that didn't make it into Mr. Britton's later composition. He says, For my cat is is an instrument for the children to learn benevolence on. Have you ever thought of your dog or a cat as an instrument of God for the children to learn benevolence on, for God to teach your children the art of compassion and the science of kindness? I love that line. Maestro Britain's simple music honors the eccentric elegance of smarts and unconventional little poem. One musical interpreter suggested that the organ accompaniment to to the My Cat Jeffrey part of this piece is a feline compound of grace and guile. I like that, a feline. Listen for the feline compound of grace and guile in the My Cat Jeffrey portion of this piece. It's a quirky little piece of writing, this poem about the brave mouse challenging the cat to a duel if only the cat will let the mouse's spouse go and about all this talk about letters being God in this piece. And perhaps it's a little eccentric because Christopher Smart's contemporaries considered him to be quite mad. He wrote to rejoice in the Lamb while incarcerated in an insane asylum where he'd been thrown, by the way, for stopping people on the streets of London and inviting them to kneel down with him in prayer on the pavement. And this was just too much for the Londoners to handle. Public prayer got you thrown into an insane asylum. And I love the section of the poem where poet Smart and Maestro Britain after him find solace and comfort in their Savior's afflictions. Mr. Smart writes, For I am under the same accusation as my Savior, for they said, He is beside himself. For the officers of the peace are at variance with me, and the watchman smites me with his staff. For silly fellow, silly fellow is against me, and belongeth neither to me nor to my family. For I am in twelve hardships, but he that was born of a virgin shall deliver me from them all. They thought Jesus was crazy too. Silly fellow, silly fellow 
is what they said to Jesus too. And you can probably see why this 18th century poem from Christopher Smart was so dear to Benjamin Britten's heart. He also considered himself to be an outsider in his own day among his own contemporaries in the middle of the 20th century. For one thing, Mr. Britton was a conscientious objector during World War II. That was not a popular thing to be. He endured mockery and scorn and was accused of treason, cowardice, and betrayal. And more than that, Benjamin Britten was a homosexual, about as far out of the closet as it was possible to be in the middle of the 20th century in England. He lived in a committed relationship for over 30 years with the well-known tenor Peter Pears, a relationship which scandalized many. And perhaps this text about the silly fellow they nailed to the cross was particularly meaningful to Benjamin Britten. Henry James had some advice for novelists and poets and composers. He said, try to be one of those people on whom nothing is lost. Yes, try to be one of those people on whom nothing is lost. Not the cat, not the mouse, not the letters of the alphabet, not that feline compound of grace and guile in the organ accompaniment, not even their own sufferings. For these silly fellows use them to connect with their Savior. So I invite you to reflect in this lovely text and music to open your eyes to the glory of God in the commonest things. Was it Walt Whitman who said, even a mouse is miracle enough to stagger sextillions of infidels?